So my son has food issues. I don't think he needs psychological help for them. He's just very particular and precise and protective about his food. You may have seen some pictures of his food plates on Facebook or Instagram or Snapchat because Adam fills his plate and when he arranges it to perfection, he takes a picture of it. And I think if it weren't for the fact that he's so hungry, he would preserve the plate as pictured and never touch it. On any given Halloween, we knew that a cache of last year's carefully saved Halloween candy could still be found neatly and secretly, stashed away in Adam's closet where neither moth nor rust could destroy nor thieves, nor sisters break in and steal. I think Adam's issues may have come from a fear of not having enough. In a family of seven, food disappears quickly. And I think Adam feared it may not ever come back again, that there would be no more daily bread. Now that's Adam's story. And he'll kill me later. This may be the last time I celebrate the Lord's Supper with you. But all of us have some food issues. Or at least we have issues that manifest themselves in our attitudes about food. We have fears. We have insecurities. Will there be enough? Where will it come from? Who really is our provider? How independent can we really be in this world? Why should we attempt to be independent in this world? This morning, as we come to the fourth petition of the Lord's Prayer, you and I need to see that the best and the most beautiful and the most beneficial kind of people we can be are the kind of people that live in complete dependence on the Lord. Now, I want you to know this as well. I had really good intentions for this morning. I was going to cover three issues, three that, are, that we encounter in the fourth petition. But alas, the more I worked, the longer each issue got. So I went from three to two. And I kept working. And I went from two to one. <laughs> so now there's one issue and you know what your future holds in the next few weeks. But if you have your Bibles with you, if you'll open to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 6. If you're using a pew Bible, you'll find that on page 811. Page 811 in the pew Bible, Matthew chapter 6. And when you found your place, I'm going to ask you to stand so that we might hear read together the word of the living God. Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse 9, Jesus says, Pray then like this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you again that we can come to this beautiful prayer that you teach us that we should pray like 
So bless again our time together in your word, particularly in this prayer. Encourage us to be more faithful prayers because we've been here together this morning. And help us be totally dependent on you, really. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. So the fourth petition or the fourth request in the Lord's Prayer is give us this day our daily bread. So let's put this particular petition into context. The first three petitions, as we've seen over the course of the last several weeks, are focused on God. The sacredness, the holiness of His name, hallowed be your name. The glory of the heavenly kingdom in which He dwells, your kingdom, come. The perfection of God's will, which is good and pleasing when it's unfolded and experienced in this world and the next because it's a plan that's put in place by a spectacularly good and glorious God. And so we pray, your will be done. When we come to this fourth petition of the Lord's Prayer, the language changes. Your, your kingdom, your will, your name changes to our, our daily bread, our debts, our debtors. And so you and I have to get the order right. According to the pattern that Jesus gives us here for prayer, those who will be faithful disciples of Christ, those who will live lives that flourish like the tree planted by the river that brings forth fruit in its season, Those are the people who focus first and foremost on God. Those are the people who take the time to to dwell on the fullness of who He is as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Those are the ones who seek to see how all things in life, all things in life, revolve around God and have Him as its center. Then, when Christ is preeminent, In all things, first in our sight, first in our hearts. Then you and I are prepared to look inward. Then you and I are prepared to look outward and see ourselves and others from the proper perspective. With our eyes fixed on Christ, you and I can begin to understand what true dependence really is. And so let's move to the fourth petition. Give us this day our daily bread. It may seem at first as if this is the easiest of all the petitions in the Lord's Prayer. We're simply saying, Lord, give me food for today, and then we can move on. But actually, the request is deeper and fuller than that. What is Jesus really teaching His disciples to ask of God here in this request? So the first challenge that we face in this petition this morning is the word daily. Daily bread. The only time this word is ever used in Scripture is here in the Lord's Prayer. Additionally, this word daily is not used anywhere else in any existing writing, sacred or secular. And so the meaning of the word is not certain. One commentator wrote about this word daily, a full Convincing explanation and translation cannot be given even today. 
So because of that, there are multiple possibilities for what this word means. One is that daily bread refers to the Lord's Supper. The early church certainly celebrated the Lord's Supper often. It seems in the early years that they celebrated it every day. And so they found in this petition that the Lord's Prayer pointed to the Lord's Supper. Since you and I believe that the Lord's Supper is a means of grace, whereby we are strengthened in our inner being, this fourth petition becomes a beautiful prayer for more grace. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, we read this. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until He comes. And so the Lord's Supper is a proclamation of the good news of the gospel. Jesus has given His life for us. He died for us. He was delivered up for our transgressions and He was raised for our justification. So praying for daily bread could be a prayer for more grace. Praying for daily bread could be a prayer for more gospel, more proclamation of the good news of the gospel. A second possibility is that this petition, in it, we are asking for more of Jesus who says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. And so this then becomes another equally beautiful prayer that every day Jesus himself would feed us and strengthen us and sustain us with his nearness and his presence. Another possibility is that daily bread is the word of God. Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And so this prayer then becomes yet another beautiful request for more and more and more of God's truth, for deeper and deeper understanding of it. Another possibility, one held by the early church fathers, is that praying for daily bread means that we are praying for something in the future. That this prayer fixes our minds on the great supper of the Lamb. Jesus certainly talks about that feast. He says, I tell you, many will come from east and west and recline at table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of God. Jesus said while drinking the cup at the last supper, I tell you, I will not drink from this fruit of the vine from now on until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. And so now praying for daily bread becomes yet another equally beautiful prayer of longing to be around the table of the Lord. So with just these possibilities, what are we asking when we ask the Lord for our daily bread? I'll answer that question by saying first that we need to remember that this is a prayer. We aren't making this request of another human being who might misunderstand us, who might be confused, who might not know exactly what we are asking of them and therefore not be able to answer or worse yet, to answer it with the wrong thing. No, 
It's a prayer. We're talking to God. A father of whom Jesus has just told us in verse 8, your father knows what you need before you ask him. God knows how to answer our prayer even if we aren't sure what we're asking. Secondly, I would remind us that our Lord instructed us to pray this way. Knowing that he would choose not to inspire any other writer of Scripture to use this very same word. Knowing that this word used even in the secular sense could find different applications and different definitions. And so it's good for you and for me to allow the the mystery of the word to stand in its broadness of what it could mean. If it means more grace from the table of the Lord, beautiful, right? Everything is right about that prayer. If it means more gospel proclamation, beautiful. Everything is right about that prayer. If it means more of Jesus, the bread of life, beautiful. Everything is right about that prayer. If it means more depth of understanding of the bread that comes from every word of the mouth of God, beautiful. Everything is right about that prayer. If it means that we long more and more for that day, that feast, the wedding supper of the Lamb, eating and drinking together with the Lord, beautiful. Everything is right about that prayer. And so we don't have to fight about it. It doesn't have to be either or this, but not that. If all of these possibilities flood our minds, if we ponder each of them when we pause in this petition and our prayer, that would be beautiful and we'll be blessed. So this is not a simple petition to pass over quickly. It's deep and it's rich. And I say that as an apology to this petition for having to so limit the discussion of it. So just know this, that there's depth and breadth and mystery to the meaning here beyond what we'll discuss this morning. So I'm going to focus on yet another possibility of meaning for daily bread. And that is it means just that, our daily Physical bread. But more than that, not just what's made with flour and baked, but instead, food being used in Scripture as it often is to indicate food and drink and even our clothing. The basic necessities of life. We're on solid ground here. Because God told Adam in the Garden of Eden, after Adam and Eve had sinned, He said to Adam, By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to dust. For out of it you are taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. In other words, Adam, attaining the simple, basic necessities of life, it's no longer going to be trouble-free, but it's going to come with toil and sweat. So that's what we're talking about this morning. Daily bread as a basic necessity of life. The first issue that confronts us when we pray this prayer is, from where do these basic necessities come? What's their source? When we pray this prayer, as Jesus tells us we should, it puts all of us here in the frame of mind to understand that we are absolutely dependent on God every day because every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights. 
We must depend on the Lord. As much as each of us love our independence, and I love my independence, this prayer requires us to see that actually we are completely dependent on the Lord. So apart from praying this prayer daily, we might begin to believe that we can provide for ourselves. And the minute we start believing that, we feel, well, we don't really need to come to the Lord that often. And that is to our detriment. Because Scripture tells us, For behold, those who are far from you shall perish. But for me, it's good to be near God. If you don't come often to the Lord, you miss out on those, all those benefits that come from being in His presence, and so do I. Scripture tells us that the face of Moses glowed whenever he was in the presence of the Lord. It radiated on his face the glory of the Lord. And so when we hear that story, you know, we're drawn in to that experience, to ponder the beauty of it and the mystery of it and the sacredness of that moment that even the physical appearance of Moses was altered. It should make us think differently about what it means to be in the presence of the Lord. It should make us long for more and more of His presence, not less of it. Because that experience was not only for Moses. David writes in Psalm 34, Those who look to Him are radiant, and their faces shall never be ashamed. Our faces, they beam, they shine. When we've been in the presence of the Lord. From the presence of the Lord we get life and health and strength that radiates from us. Why would we then ever want to be independent of Him? The New Testament counterpart is found in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. And we all, with unveiled face... Beholding the glory of God are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another, for this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Being in the presence of the Lord makes us more like the Lord. And even Jesus' biggest detractors, those who say He was just a good man, at least they acknowledge that He lived a good life and then He made a good and positive impact on his culture. Being like Jesus can never be a bad thing. Especially when you add to the truth that Jesus is also 100% divine. Since dependence drives us often to the Lord. And since the blessings of being in the Lord's presence are so great. Then dependence is a good thing. Will you say that with me? Dependence is a good thing. One more time. Dependence is a good thing. Our Father, give us our daily bread. We shouldn't avoid dependence. It isn't something that should make us feel weak or inferior or inept. Being in the Lord's presence and being dependent on Him makes us strong and so important is this lesson about being dependent on the Lord. That 
God teaches His people. Dependence is a very foundational lesson. It's one of the first lessons that God taught His people after He had miraculously delivered them from slavery in Egypt. You know the story. He parted the Red Sea. They walked through on dry land. They were in freedom, but they also discovered that they were in a wilderness. And in the wilderness, they became hungry. It's not easy to find food in the wilderness. But for a God such as we have, a barren desert, not a problem. And when God's people trust Him and depend on Him, we learn as well that a barren desert with God is not a problem. God knows how He'll use the the wilderness to bless His people and to teach them complete dependence. We find the story in Exodus chapter 16. The Lord said to Moses, Look, I am going to rain down food from heaven for you. These are the Lord's instructions. Each household should gather as much as it needs. Pick up two quarts for each person in your tent. And so the people of Israel did what they were told. Some gathered a lot, some gathered only a little. But when they measured it out, everyone had just enough. Those who gathered gathered a lot had nothing left over, and those who gathered only a little had enough. Each family had just what it needed. Then Moses told them, do not keep any of it until morning. But some of them didn't listen. And kept some of it until morning. But by then, it was full of maggots and had a terrible smell. See, some people, they wanted to be independent. Save it up. Save it up. Then I don't need the Lord. At least not every day, even though all of it came from Him anyway. The Lord did not honor their industriousness. That would lead to independence in this case. Instead, he required obedience and dependence. That should make us pause and ask why we are such industrious people. What is our motivation for all our hard work? Is it for God's glory? Or is there a different motivation? Perhaps fear. We fear we won't have enough. We fear. We can't save enough. God says obey and depend. Are we industrious so that we have just a little bit more than others? That's pride. God says depend. Humble yourself in the eyes of the Lord and He will lift you up. Are we industrious? Because we believe we have to prove ourselves to show what good and hard workers we are. God says, depend. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. You don't have to prove yourself to the Lord. You know that, don't you? You don't have to prove yourself to the Lord. Whatever the motivation for industriousness, independence, God will have none of it here. And He will teach His people daily dependence, By providing their daily bread day by day for 40 years. Deuteronomy explains why this lesson in dependence is so important. This is from Deuteronomy chapter 8. 
God says, and you shall remember the whole way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness, that he might humble you, testing you to know what's in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. And he humbled you and he let you hunger and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone. But man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Dependence. Deuteronomy 29. I have led you 40 years in the wilderness. Your clothes have not worn out on you and your sandals have not worn off your feet. You have not eaten bread and you have not drunk wine or strong drink. That you may know that I am the Lord your God. Dependence. If we'll not depend on the Lord, then we will not flourish in this life. It may look like we're flourishing. People might look at your life and say, Wow, look at how you're flourishing. You're such a a flourishing person. But listen, that kind of flourishing is flimsy. It's false. It's fake. Fake flourishing. It has no substance. And it won't be real, and it isn't true, and it won't satisfy in a deep way, but still, you and I crave our independence. We're determined determined to do it in our own way, in our own strength, and not seek daily bread. God knows that, and so He teaches this lesson from Deuteronomy 31. Who loves Deuteronomy? (laughs) Who misses Deuteronomy? Deuteronomy 31. God says, For when I have brought them into the land flowing with milk and honey which I swore to give to their fathers and have eaten and are full and grown fat, they will turn to other gods and serve them and despise me and break my covenant. And in the moment that that happens, when we're so satisfied, we have everything that we need, that God's people turn from Him, that all the beautiful overflow of being in His presence and depending on Him, it evaporates. It disappears. It's a very bad condition to be in. And so God will not allow it to stand. He teaches His people dependence. So back to Jesus' prayer. Praying, give me this day my daily bread, is a prayer that the Lord would teach you and me dependence. That He would grant us dependence on Him completely. Not yearly, not monthly, not weekly, but daily. We must depend on the Lord. And Jesus has us pray this prayer so that you and I never stray too far away. We pray this prayer so that we never become too dependent We pray this prayer so that we, like the prodigal son, would never leave, would never give up the good things, would never give up the blessings of our Father's house to live a life of independence far from God and on our own. So daily dependence is something for which we should long because we need to be near God. I'm going to close by reading just a couple of more passages because it's the Lord that we need to hear from this morning and not me. And you know why? 
Because this independence issue that we all have, it is a hard nut to crack. Am I lying? No. Psalm 145, 15. The eyes of all look to you, Lord. You give them their food in due season. You open your hand. You satisfy the desire of every living thing. God is the provider. Depend on Him. Psalm 65, verse 9. You visit the earth and water it. You greatly enrich it. The river of God is full of water. You provide their grain. For so you have prepared it. You water its furrows abundantly, settling its ridges softening it with showers and blessing its growth. You crown the year with your bounty. Your wagon tracks overflow with abundance. The pastures of the wilderness overflow. The hills gird themselves with joy. The meadows clothe themselves with flocks. The valleys deck themselves with grain. They shout and sing together for joy. You, Lord, are the provider. Psalm 127. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. It's in vain you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for He gives to His beloved sleep. It's the Lord upon whom we must depend in all things. Unless He is with us, our work is futile. We must keep returning to these verses, reading them often so that you and I have a proper perspective on our lives. We are totally dependent on the Lord. If the Lord were to withhold His hand from you in this very moment, even the breath in your lungs, where would you be and what would you have? The Lord chose to withhold His common grace in this very moment by which He sends sunshine and rain on the just, those who love Him, and on the unjust, those who don't even acknowledge Him, even those who have the very most in this world, apart from the common grace of God, would have nothing. We are totally dependent on Him. And here's the good news. You want some good news? God is totally dependable. I like the New Living Translation of 1 Peter chapter 4. Trust your lives to God who created you, for He will never fail you. Trust your lives to the God who created you, for He will never fail you. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Our Lord Jesus Christ will sustain you to the end. He'll sustain you to the end. Guiltless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful. God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of His Son. Jesus Christ our Lord. He is faithful. We can. We must depend on Him. Lord, give us this day, our daily bread. Let's pray.
Heavenly Father, we know the truth of these words. And we acknowledge them with our lips. But sometimes, Lord, our lives tell a different story. We act as if we are our own providers. We act as though we do not have a faithful God in heaven who will never fail us. We believe in some way, Lord, that what we have is a result of our own work and our own efforts and our own accomplishments. Or just like the people who wanted to pick up multiple days of bread. The point is the bread came from you no matter how much they collected. Lord, the truth is that all we are, all we have, they're gifts given to us by you. And we use them, Lord, too often for our own gain and not your glory. We believe we deserve what we have. So, Father, I pray that you would make us dependent people every day praying this prayer, depending on you, being in your presence, experiencing the overflow of your glory and your goodness and your grace so that our faces radiate and shine with it, with your health and your life and your strength. So thank you for that. Lord, we continue in prayer now, silently. We want to be well prepared to come to your table. We want to celebrate the provision that your table is for our true lives, our eternal lives that we'll spend with you. Lord, you are the bread of life. You sustain us. So, fathers, we prepare now to come to your table. Break us, even now, so that we are people totally dependent on you and eager, therefore, to come to your table this morning. As we come to your table, we want to proclaim the good news of the gospel, your life given for us. We want to remember that we are completely dependent on you in every way and in all things. Work that truth and reality in us now we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.